Well, I can tell you, you know, years ago, if you had uh, asked me, I would have said, well, I think we're years away from having something useful in yep. terms of bot. And we all have this experience, you know, trying a bot and say, oh gosh, you know, yeah. that's not super useful. I must say that um, what was done, you know, after GPT-3, which was another layer of learning that made it, you know, very useful. And, and yeah, it's going to change the way we do search, but it's still a search engine and it's just an engine that does compute probabilities to find the next word and it does a great job. And as shocking as it might sound, we haven't equipped the internet with the ability to learn. And you, you need to think very hard on what you're trying to achieve. I, I can tell you something if you don't repeat it, of course, right? Okay. Um, no, no, no. Well, we're not filming, so don't worry. Okay, okay. Everyone, David Bumble coming to you from Cisco Live again. Got a really exciting guest with me today. JP, welcome. Thank you, David. I'm, I'm glad to be with you today as well. Believe yeah, me. it's great. I mean, we were just talking offline and then I stopped you. ChatGPT, it's going to take our jobs away. No, I don't think so, David. I think that uh, it's a tool, yep. right? Uh, and when you think about it, you know, the technology is not that new, but what uh, OpenAI managed to do is to make it very useful. Yeah. And for me, this is just a tool. It's true that the tool will be impacting and it's exactly like, uh, you know, doctors with uh, like radiologists, for example, right? So we have new tools now. Yeah. They can do a better job. But is it going to replace doctors? No, I don't think so. So, I mean, I've heard like some people say, this is crazy. It's going to take all our jobs away. And then other people say, it's not that good. You were saying offline, you've got people in your team that are mathematicians and yeah. other people. So what did, what, you know, what, what did your team think about it? And what did you think about it? Well, I can tell you, you know, years ago, if you had uh, asked me, I would have said, well, I think we're years away from having something useful in yeah. terms of bot. And we all have this experience, you know, trying a bot and say, oh gosh, you know, yeah. that's not super useful. I must say that um, what was done, you know, after GPT-3, which was another layer of learning that made it, you know, very useful. And, and yeah, it's going to change the way we do search, but it's still a search engine and it's just an engine that does compute probabilities to find the next word and it does a great job. Now, when I hear people say, look, is, are they sentient? You know, of course not. They're not sentient in any way, but it doesn't mean that the tool is not useful. So, yeah, the guys in my team were pretty impressed as well, as I was. Um, but is it going to take our job? No way. We have, we have a lot of stuff to do that machines can't do, for That's sure. great to hear. I mean, so it's not the Terminator. It's not going to uh, like no. kill us. It's not alive. No, not at all. And it's not going to take our jobs away, but it could be useful as part of our job. Yeah, it could be useful. It's going to make our job even more interesting because we can focus on you know, what is more interesting as well. So I think this is just amazing and we need to progress and uh, technology will never stop. So you've, you've, you've been at Cisco a long time. You've done many things. Uh, you got to tell us patents. Uh, you've worked on BGP, MPLS, and then you're now working, well, for the last few years, you'll have to you know, give us the details, AI, Machine yeah. learning with Cisco, right? Yeah, absolutely. You know, I joined Cisco, oh gosh, some time ago. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. We don't want to think too much about this, but uh, 25 years ago, to be uh, more precise, uh, I worked on um, MPLS indeed, you know, for many years with service providers. Then I led the IoT, which was a lot of fun. Then I moved to security and then Wi-Fi. And for the past decade, it has, you know, I've been focusing with my team on machine learning, artificial intelligence. And some people may not know, uh, but we've been working very hard on MLAI and I think we have we have an amazing uh, technology you know that and for many products by the way so I can tell you more if you want yeah I want to I want to hear about it so I mean because the the concern for network engineers I think or a lot of people is okay my job's gonna be taken away you've said no, that's very unlikely but how's machine learning how's what you're doing 
changing the way that we run networks or you know operate networks, troubleshoot, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, I'm going to tell you something that might be a bit shocking. You don't mind? Yeah, no, no, go for it. I, the more shocking, the better. Oh, really? No, okay. Um, but I'll tell you, you know, I, I don't have a passion for technology. Oh, wow. Okay, that is shocking. Yeah. You know why? I have a passion for solving problems. Yeah, okay. And technology is a side effect of it, if you will. So yeah. you're right that, you know, I, I got a chance to, to have hundreds of patents, but my goal has never been to invent new technology. It has been to find the best technology to solve a problem. And I think that makes, you know, my job absolutely exciting because I spend a lot of time with customers. I'm trying to find what will be the, the most interesting problem to solve in a few years with vision. And I'll tell you why you made an AI in a minute. Yeah. Uh, and that's how you, you come up with your technology. So the way it started, it has been an amazing journey, you know, almost 12 years when you think about it. Wow. And we started with the Internet of Things. Yeah. And at the time, you know, we had to find optimal routing at the edge of a network and we didn't have a chance to push all of the data in the cloud. You remember, you know, at the time there was no yep. cloud, yep. pretty much. We were old. Yep. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, stop saying that. David. Sorry, sorry. Uh, sorry. No, no. Um, but anyway, we, we had to do some local processing. Yep. And machine learning was a very attractive technology at the time, very new for networking. So we started with that and it was pretty amazing. We managed to do optimal routing. Then we worked on a DDoS attack detection at the edge of a network. And then, you know, security was uh, top of mind, still top of mind yep. for all of us. Yep. And we started to say, hey, can we learn on-premise at the edge of a network and use machine learning to detect zero-day attacks? And it was a big success, and we made it a product. And so in 2016, we thought, okay, what's next? And we started to build the first uh, cloud-based solution, MLAI, and the first use case was wireless. So we started to anonymize the data to run in the cloud, uh, and you know, we came up with a uh, a bunch of very interesting technologies uh, to solve concrete problems. We managed to reduce the noise uh, to make it easy to troubleshoot. Uh, and we continued the journey and then we worked on security again. You know, for example, when you have an iPhone and you want to detect if there's a spoofing attack, yeah. for example, right? How do you do that? Well, we used to use static rules and thresholds. And of course, you can't do that at scale. So we started to train a model that will recognize the behavior using NetFlow. Uh, and uh, it was, again, a success. And in 2019, we started to work on predictive networks, which is the brand new product uh, and technology we've been working on. But you have to tell me if you want to know more. Yeah, no, of course. I mean, uh, you said you were using NetFlow. So was it supervised learning, unsupervised learning? Just take us like, Take us through the journey. How, yeah, I yeah. Because the thing is, how does AI recognize this stuff? Yeah, so it's actually fairly simple to explain. And you are a trainer, so you probably do a way better no, job. I doubt than that. Me. No, uh, I doubt yeah, that. I think you do. But it's fairly simple to explain. So let's take a, a few use cases, right? Yeah. So the first one would be about Wi Fi. So years ago, what we used to do was to send a bunch of telemetry uh, data, and you would run with multiple rules yeah. and with static thresholds. And then you would just say, if X is greater than Y, then do this, right? That's how we used to manage Wi-Fi networks. It depends, right? It depends on the, the noise in the building, yeah. you know, the quality of the signal, the number of users, right? So when you do that, you can continue to edit rules at which point you start to stop scaling. Yeah. Or you can train a model and say to the model, your job is to learn what is normal versus abnormal. And you, manage, you, you mentioned about supervised learning. It could be unsupervised learning as well. Okay. So for Wi-Fi, we uh, started to predict to 
you know, compute what should be the normal fresh, the normal uh, throughput, for example, for users. Yeah. And that was done, you know, fully automatically. Now, if you look at uh, spoofing attack detection, the one that I was mentioning, you would just show multiple examples and say, this is the behavior of a camera, for example, right? So we took, we take NetFlow. With a NetFlow record, you keep training and say, this is a camera, this is a camera, this is not a camera. And so the job... Of, you would tell it that or it yeah, figure would, it out. Absolutely. Okay. Uh, yeah. absolutely. So that would be supervised learning yeah. in this case, for yeah. example. And so you would keep training. And so at, at some point, you know, the classifier would look at the behavior of any device that claims to be a camera. Okay. And if the, you know, the classifier says, well, it's unlikely to be the behavior of a camera that might be a spoofing attack. So that's one example. The next one was even more interesting. So I can't resist to tell you more about predictive. You are ready? Yeah, yeah, go for it. Okay. Go for it. You sure? Of course. You yeah, have a lot that's of why you yeah, that's why you yeah. oh, Okay, great. So predictive. So predictive was um, that we are in 2019. And so when you look at the, the, the internet, as much as you and I love the internet, uh, it has been reactive for yeah. 35 years. Yeah. So upon detecting a link failure, it would take minutes uh, 20 years ago, and then seconds, and then milliseconds with yeah. MPLST fast reroute, IP fast reroute, and stuff like that. But you still react. And as shocking as it might sound, we haven't equipped the internet with the ability to learn. That's true. Yeah. Yeah. And so we thought, well, we've been uh, developing products in MLEI for almost a decade. Is that a way to start learning? so that we can predict issues. And if we can predict issues, guess what? You can avoid issues yep. and you can increase the SLA. So I'm sure you're going to ask me the question, which no, is... No, go for it. If you're going to preempt it, pre predictive networks, here we go. <laughs> yeah. but And so when we started, a lot of skepticism around us. Yeah, I can imagine, yeah. A lot of resistance as well. Of course. Which is always a good sign when you're trying to innovate, right? Yep. If there's no resistance, you're not disrupting. You know, one of the mistakes we, we, we did years ago, and I strongly believe in... Um, the ability to learn when you make mistakes, that's how the human brain is, works, right? Was to jump on the model. Jump on the model. Yeah. Okay. So you would just take a ton of data. Yeah. And the first thing you would do is to train a machine learning model. Yeah. And jump on it and refine the model and stuff oh, I see like that. what you're saying, like train it. Absolutely. And of course, you, you don't want to do that. The first thing you need to do is to look at the telemetry, the raw data, and do a little bit more of data science as opposed to machine learning modeling, if you will, okay. and try to see if there's a little bit of a signal in the data that may be used by a model to indeed predict. Um, and so we spent about one year looking at, uh, I think it was 2,000 service providers, uh, millions of paths across the internet, and say, can we find some signal that will allow us to predict issues before they happen. You may say, David, hey, can you predict a power outage? And the answer is, I wish I could. I would be very rich. You would be. Oh, yeah, yeah for sure. Yeah. Or fiber cut. <laughs> yeah. And, well, no, it's very difficult. Why? Because, well, we don't have, you know, first of all, when you train a model, you need to have a lot of data. And there are not so many uh, fiber cuts. Um, and so it's very difficult to predict rare events. So in our case... The sort of issues you can predict is, and, and you know, we all experience this kind of issue. You take the road at 6 p.m. on the highway, you know there will be a bottleneck. So this kind of seasonal effect. And, but that's not the, the only thing that we can predict. So the, the idea was to say, if I take a massive amount of data, can I start predicting some SLA violation, for example, so that if I have a high accuracy when I predict, then I can start avoiding uh, these kind of uh, issues, if you will. So we're not predicting cyber cut, no power outage, still. 
we can predict a fairly big chunk of issues before they happen. And if, we, if for the things we cannot predict, we fall back to reactive. That's the story. When you said you didn't want to jump on the AI, was that because we as humans, especially engineers perhaps, we want to grab control and try and, because we know better, or we think we know better, you just had to let it learn. Is that right? Yes. You know, I'll tell you why. Because it's not very hard to do a prototype. It's, okay. it's actually fairly simple. Now you, you can use a bunch of libraries, you know, TensorFlow and Scikit-Learn and all yep. these things. And so taking some data and jumping on the modeling is very easy to do. But it, it's a mistake because if you do that without looking at the telemetry first, without even thinking of the model, but just look at the telemetry, you will find out, first of all, that most of your time will be spent on the quality of the data, which is the major issue. We spend about 70% of our time only on the telemetry. Yeah. And you want to remove the noise and all the things. And you, you need to think very hard on what you're trying to achieve. I, I can tell you something, if you don't repeat it, of course, right? Okay. Um, no, no, no. Well, we're not filming, so don't worry. Okay, okay. All right, so I'll tell you that. You know, one of the biggest challenge, um, and I've, that's a question I've got all the time, is... Um, are you guys coming up with your own algorithm and say, of course, sometimes we do that. And so then people say, huh, so it's not very hard to do, right? You're just using some libraries and you just, you know, right? Auto learning, it's called. And I'm like, well, not quite. So first of all... It's only, you've been working in it for 10 years. Yeah, exactly. Just pull in some Python libraries. Exactly, exactly right. And so what are the main challenges? Well, the first one is look at the telemetry. And yeah. I keep repeating that, sorry about that. But so if you guys start in the mach machine learning AI field, you know, look at um, data science, quality of telemetry, because if you have a poor quality of data in the first place, people talk all the time about the volume of data. The more data, the better, which is yeah. not always true, by the way. It's often true, but not always. But do you get the quality of a telemetry? And you know what is the second trap? This is the, the metric that you're trying to optimize. Okay. Because it's like a threshold, right? Uh, well, the objective metric, you know, okay. the performance metric, for example. Like, is there a problem or isn't there a problem? How do you assess the efficacy of your algorithm? Yeah, okay. And that's yeah. very hard because yeah. with many algorithms, you're not coming up with one metric, but 10. Yeah. And you never know which one to really optimize. Well, you do know when you have some expertise in the field. If you want to do MLEI for the networking industry, don't think that you can give a telemetry to a data scientist or machine learning engineer and say, Go, go, go and just optimize the model. You need to have deep expertise in networking, first of all. Yeah. So our job are not going away. Yeah. Uh, one. And second, you need to understand the, the metric you're trying to optimize. And that's the most difficult task. Is it a, is it a business metric? Is it a performance metric? Uh, for example, if you take some, some algorithms that, that are doing a, you know, prediction, for example, are you trying to do, optimize what we call the log entropy or are you trying to optimize the, the performance, you know, the percentage of issues you can catch? If you're doing false positive, is it an issue? Is it an issue to do false negative? Yeah. Um, and I can give you many examples. Look at healthcare. Uh, in healthcare, they, they don't want to do false negative. And when you work in security, you hate false positive because you, yeah. at some point, you don't even pay attention to. Yeah. to. Yeah, so exactly. it depends how you tune your model and what you're trying to achieve. So I could go on and on about these problems, but this is very important. Yeah, but it's good. I mean, I think the um, the two things I want to ask you is number one, when do we see this in Cisco products, um, and what products are those? And then number two, if I'm interested, 
as a network engineer, like this sounds like this is something I need to start learning now. How do I how do I become like you or like how do I what's the roadmap to like what should I study? So oh, yeah. thank you very much for the second question because I'm as passionate as you are about training people. Yeah. yeah. I think this is so important. So but let's talk about Cisco first, if yeah. you don't mind, real quick. This has been in production for a long time. Okay. So if you look at um, you know, Cisco AI network analytics for Wi-Fi. We have thousands of customers in production at very large scale. If you look at Cisco endpoint analytics, um, Cisco AI endpoint analytics, the name is so long, it took me two years to remember it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, we have millions of devices being, uh, you know, monitored. If you look at predictive, guess what? We had Cisco Live 2023. We announced it this afternoon. So we have two products. One is... Um, is uh, called uh, One Insight from Thousand Eyes. So that was an internal innovation at Cisco of predictive networks. And we have two products uh, using it. One is Thousand Eyes, yep. the acquisition we've made a few years ago, uh, which is awesome, by the way. When you do internal innovation yep. and you, you use it for a company that we acquired years ago, it's a great feeling. Yep. And the second one is SD1 Viptela V Analytics. And we're launching two products uh, you know, next, next month in, in GA. Uh, now let's go back to the other question about how do you start? I think the best answer is watch your YouTube, by the way. Oh, thanks. It's a thanks. good way to start, right? Thanks. Isn't it? Yeah. Um, but seriously, I, I do mean it. You have really good uh, videos there. Uh, then I would go to Coursera, yeah. uh, which is always a great start. Andrew Hank, you know, he did many, many things like that. Udemy, many, many excellent courses over there. And when you think about it, I don't want to look like a grandpa, uh, but <laughs> look at that. 20 years ago, you had to buy books everywhere, yep. right? Yeah. Now you have a ton of information on YouTube, and that's the best way to start. But there's a little bit of a trap, which is that don't be stuck with books and, and feel like that. You need to have hands-on. You yeah. need to try. There are many data sets now available, publicly available, that you can play with. And in a matter of a few hours, you can easily have a new uh, an account and you start to play with Sidekick Learn or whatever. And you need to try and experiment. Now, that's the best way to start, I believe, and be hands-on. Uh, and then join a team like like our team. That's the best way to learn. Um, because the scale is the issue, by the way. It's not, you know... Yeah, it's like it, you said, prototype's easy. Yeah, prototype oh. is very easy. And it's you can do that in a matter of a few days. If you are passionate about it, you can do... It's, it's very easy to do. When you think about scale with millions of devices, as we do at Cisco, uh, it's a bit more complicated and you need to join a team that has been doing that for a long time. Yeah. What skills do you need? Is it like Python? Do you need to you know pandas? Or is it just like jump in and just play? Yeah, no, Python is a is a well, one of the best, yeah. if not the best language. There are other languages, of course, but uh, yes, you're right. You need to know PyTorch and uh, you know all the like pandas is a great one. Spark if you want to go at scale yeah. and do parallel uh, computing, these sort of things. So absolutely you need that. Don't forget networking. Yeah, because I wanted to, the the problem. I saw this when we when sorry to interrupt when we no, no. when we moved from like traditional CLI, like configuring configuring devices, and then we went to like automation. The problem I always found was okay. There was a lot of Python training on stuff that wasn't networking. So I mean, yeah. the problem is like how do I make how do I learn AI in a networking context? Any yeah. suggestions? Yeah, no, that's a that's a very good question. It's uh, I think that you need you need to do both in parallel. I don't okay. think there's any workaround. Uh, there are a lot of great specialization like CCNA and yeah. up to CCIE. So do like normal networking, but absolutely. then do also separate track like and learn a, AI. Absolutely, and apply your knowledge, yeah. networking knowledge, 
you know, and, and use MLAI to do that. Start with an interesting use case. And I keep saying that. I'm sorry to, to, and there are many, many use cases. I think we're just scratching the surface. Uh, I told you about, you know, security. Security is, uh, has been using MLAI for a long time. Yeah. Collab. Yeah. Um, is using, you are using MLAI, but networking as well. So I mentioned Wi-Fi, LAN switching, you know, one. I was mentioning about predictive. So there are many, many use cases. And I think it's fairly simple to take some, um, some data set and with NetFlow, look at NetFlow, right? We yep. have many examples, logs, and you, you start to apply it to very simple use case. Don't start with something too difficult. Uh, another advice that I would take is if you do follow the MLAI uh, you know, uh, research, these guys, we tend to jump from one thing to another. Yeah. Yeah. And so the risk is to take the most sexy yeah. uh, and latest algorithm. Don't do that. I mean, start with uh, simple stuff like uh, trees, decision trees. You can do amazing stuff with decision trees, ensemble techniques and uh, GBT and all these things. And if you want to do a, deep, a little bit of deep learning, do that. But don't start with the latest and greatest uh, transformers, for example, and go incrementally. You know, the problem is I, I, I might know networking. Like learning Python for a lot of guys is really tough. Yeah, it is. And now this is like just another step of like feels like craziness that I have to learn. Uh, is it is it really difficult? No, no. Let me tell you why. Because of course, if you want to become a core ML engineer, yeah, you need to have a, a deep background in statistics, obviously. So say math. math. Yeah, yeah. But as a practitioner, okay, you don't need to do to know that. You know, backprop, for example. If you want to go into all of the details of backprop, you need to know a little bit what a derivative is and how to compute these things. But why would you need to know? Uh, what is under the cover, yeah. you don't need that. You need to understand a bit how it works and how to interpret the results and keep your networking expertise and you'll go very far. So do you see, because some people have been saying this, like as a network engineer in the old, old days, we used to have to try and memorize everything perhaps, but like then you start using Google. It's like, don't try and memorize everything. Yeah. Just use Google, know how to use Google. Do you see it'll think it'll go the same way? People are talking about, we'll become AI engineers, like we'll use AI more and more to help with our jobs. I think we will. Um, does that mean that we're going to have to remember less? I don't think so. Okay. Um, I think we, we won't have to remember non-interesting stuff. Yeah, so that's the difference. Rather than doing I, all the mundane stuff, we're exactly. going to do like the clever stuff, if you like. I, I think so. And I think that the, our scope is going to be a bit broader. Yeah. So instead of being pure networking, you know, it's going to be a mix between networking programmation, you know, uh, uh, as you said, Python, these sort of things, and a little bit of machine learning AI. But, you know, again, for me, ML AI is a tool. It's nothing more than a tool, but a very useful tool. So if I'm 18, and I always use that as an example, but let's say I'm, I'm maybe older, but I want to transition into this, CCNA, yeah. and maybe DevNet, CCN, like DevNet Associate. Absolutely. Absolutely. That's a very good path. On the side, you know, you do a little bit of uh, programmation, you know. Uh, Andrew's course on Coursera. Yeah, or Udemy or whatever, yeah. you know, some other courses. And you try to uh, be very much hands-on. If you are interested in the math, well, why not? I mean, yeah. you, if you want to understand what deeper, you can do that. You know, my son is 17. He, yeah. He's at EPFL, just starting his uh, educational path, if you will, at EPFL. And I keep saying, look, it's, it's good. You love math. That's great. But you need to to be a little bit hands-on. I'm trying still to convince him to do a networking career, but I'm not there yet. Maybe he heard too much of internet yeah, in exactly. his life. Uh, but yeah, it's a combination. I, I think this is very important to not to be on just one technology. But you know what, David? You've been in that field for a long time as well. If you want to 
to have a broad scope? Would you, you know, be stuck with one area like Wi-Fi? No, no, no. But exactly no. the same thing. So um, you would do some networking, and in addition to that, you know, Python. You know, you need to more to know more about the cloud. It's unavoidable, yeah. especially with machine learning. You can do on-prem, but there are so many tools that you can use. Uh, why not using these tools and on the side, you, you start doing some training on MLAI. But my, my fear is always that some people, when they start with MLAI, they think, oh, it's not for me. You know, uh, there's too much math it's, and stuff yeah, exactly, like that. exactly, because you get confused with the maths. But it's the same with no. programming, because you might get like... Exactly. Programming is not for network people, but it's a different type of programming. That's exactly right. Yeah. You, you're absolutely spot on. And, and again, you don't need to know what is really deep inside of the algorithmic side. The one thing that I would say is um, look at statistics. Okay. Because there are many people, you know, we go for an interview and we, we give them some basic stuff to do like a percentile and they say, percentile. They say, yeah. yeah. Okay. So basic stuff, you know, it's not rocket science, but at least, you know, you need to know a little bit about statistical tests and stuff like that, but it's not rocket science. So it's still, I'm super optimistic about the future. Seriously, I'm very optimistic because it has never been so easy, seriously, to learn new stuff. And I think that we can we can go even further in networking by using these kind of tools. Is it too late for someone to get into this? Oh. If I'm a bit older, or you know, has the, has the industry already moved on? Not at all, David. I think this is quite the opposite. And you can be 40, 50, or 60 years old if you are curious and you want to deep dive. Years ago, it was the case. You know, years ago we did not have really the tools, and you yeah. have to understand the deeply the mechanics and all these things. Now there are many tools. Um, as long as you understand that you, and I think this is very important for our career as well, to be, to have a broad scope, and it's no longer about a specific technology, but if you are, you, you have all of your knowledge about networking, and you have some programming skills, and you don't need to know so much in there, but still a bit of programming, you understand a bit the statistics, there are many tools that, that will help you, and I think we have a bright future. I think that's going to be even more exciting than the past 20 years, so I'm very, very optimistic. JB, thanks so much for sharing and thanks for the encouraging words because uh, it's like people are worried. So thanks for sharing. Yeah, we should not. I think we should be excited instead of being worried and uh, I really mean it. Brilliant. Thank thanks, you, JB. Cheers. Thank you. Cheers.